0: It's Monday, and what are we going to do today? We're going to talk about ghosts because that's what we do on a Monday. Yes, we do. Anyway, what are we going to look at today? Well, we're of course going to say a big thank you to our wonderful Patreons. We're going to sing a song because I have my guitar with me. I'll prove it. Did you hear that? Well, that's a guitar. We're then going to do a review, a paranormal review, so that you don't have to. And today's paranormal review is none other than the film Midsommar, which I watched last night. And good God, was I scared? Kinda. Was Becca scared? Yeah. And then, of course, we're going to listen to your true paranormal ghost stories. And when finally, and when finally, and then finally, we're going to go over to Becca's Reddit corner to see what she's been up to. But more importantly than all of that, how are you guys? Yeah, yeah, really? Good, good. You never, did you? <gasps> Ah, oh, see, it's always good to stay in touch with your listeners. And that's how I do it by pretending to talk to you, and that you talk back, and I hear. Anyway, firstly, we're going to say a wonderful big thank you to our newest Patreons. We love all of our Patreons, of course, but when you sign up to Patreon, not only do you support the show, not Only do you get access to two extra shows each and every week. Yes, you do. One is just a ramble, where, as you can tell, I like to talk quite a lot. The other is a paranormal Patreon, where we do our very best to keep the show paranormal. That's normally Becca and I. And not only do you get all of that, but you also get the entire back catalogue of the Patreon episodes, which is about 300 hours. 300 hours? Do you know how many days that is? Days? Seriously? No, it's a lot of days, it really is. You could learn French. You might be best learning French. But you do get all that, and of course, you get your name sung out, just like I'm going to do for these wonderful people. The guitar is well and truly out, and we have five wonderful new patrons to say thank you to today. We have Laura Clifford, Goose Goose, Jessica Chalice, Laurie Kaye and Nancy Austin. And this is for you. Laura Clifford Jessica Chalice Larry K. Hey, hey Goose, Goose Not to forget Nancy Austin, hey You've signed up to the Patreon And I want to say thank you You've signed up to that Patreon And I want to say Thank you E7 And a falsetto. Hurrah! No, thank you so much, you guys. And if you'd like to join the team over at Patreon, head over to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts. Because we do. Right, let's have a paranormal review where I review something paranormal so that you guys don't have to review it for yourselves. Which would, in itself, be insane. Okay, it's time for that paranormal review, and today we're going to review something which has been out for ages, and everyone's probably going to go, why are you reviewing that? Surely you've seen it. Well, no, I hadn't seen it up until last night, and the reason for that is it broke my 90-minute film rule, which I have, because if a film goes over 90 minutes, chances are it's not going to hold me interest. I think if you can't tell a story within 90 minutes, I don't want to know. And that's just me, yeah. You know, it's to the point where Netflix now says it recommends 90-minute films. It's, it, you know, it knows me. Technology knows me. Anyway, but we decided to give this a watch because even Becca said, I fancy that. So I was like, OK, if I'm going to give two hours and 25 minutes to anything, it may as well be Midsummer. And I'm glad I did because, well, can I do this without giving out spoilers? Let me see. Yes, I think I can. So, basically, set the scene. There's a, a girl who's going through a very traumatic life, right, with her, her own family, a lot of trauma. I sound like Donald Trump. There's a lot of trauma. I can't do a Trump impression. Um, but there's a lot of trauma going on in her life. Her fella kind of wants to jibber. But there's a trip that he's got planned through one of his mates to go to Sweden. And they're like, uh, I can't jibber just yet. And you know what? I've invited her to Sweden. Uh. And all those mates are like, oh, you knob. And he's like, I know. So then they go. And the guy who's invited them is like, yeah, I'm going to do an accent here. And I apologize in advance. Yeah, come to my hometown. We have a festival. It's very lovely. And we want to share it with you and show you how it works. Hurrah. And they go, yeah, let's do it. Because they're also looking for something to write their theses on. So because it's that kind of age, university age, I think. Anyway, They arrive all lovely. It's like, yes, we all were white and we wear puppies in our hair, yes. And everyone's like, amazing, yay, bonfires. And then it gets a bit dark. People start going missing, you know, this sort of thing. There's a lot of strangeness. There's a lot of very graphic violence. But not like violence as in like, Jeff fights Bob, Bob stabs Jeff. As in, oh, I can't even describe it. There's a really horrific scene involving a cliff. And I don't mean Cliff Claven from Cheers, involving an actual tall cliff. So the idea is, anyway, it's about it's meant to be about how you perceive other, not necessarily cultures, but other. I don't know how other people celebrate different parts of the season. So, for example, Midsummer. Are there any rituals that are done that you'd never heard of before? For example, yes, there are. And there's also there's a few good things within it as well. I mean, just watch it. It is well worth a watch. It's definitely two thumbs up to the sky. It's very fucking dark. But there's a few interesting things. Here's an interesting... Is this a spoiler? Yes, it is. But there's a few interesting points where they make where you're like, that's horrific. And then someone would say, yes, but they would view what we do with our elderly as horrific. And you're like, ah, maybe they would. So, yeah, it's very good. I think it's very good. Um, It's beautifully shot. There's... Quite a lot of magic mushroom intake involved in the film, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, I don't know, not that I'm anti-magic mushroom intake in films, but you know when you're like, okay, it's getting a little bit much now. That was the only sort of downside. But it plays into the film, and it's beautifully shot. Well done. You could believe it, put it that way. It made me not want to visit that part of the world. So... There you go, tourism board for Sweden. You just lost out on a customer. But no, genuinely, do watch it. It's a very good folk horror film. And I had a moment of serendipity whilst watching it. I paused it midway through, just because it's two and a half hours long. And checked my phone, and somebody had added me on Twitter, um, the UK Ghost Film Fest or something. So I thought, okay, I'll follow them back. I followed them back. And their latest tweet was about Midsummer. And I was like, no, no. I said to Becca, look at this. She was like, that, that's nothing. I was like, no, it doesn't mean that the devil, the devil. Anyway, so, but do go and give it a watch if you haven't already. You probably have, if you're listening to this show, you've probably already watched it about four times. But if you haven't, then go and check out Midsummer. It's on Netflix. It's Two Thumbs Up to the Sky, which ironically, the culture in this sort of film, like the people, the druids, if you will, or whatever they are, they seem to do quite a lot of this, Two Thumbs to the Sky. Maybe I am secretly a member of this society. I'm not. (laughs) Hooray! It's time for my favourite part of the show, and I truly and genuinely mean that. It's time when we get to listen to your true paranormal experiences. Now, don't forget, if you've got a paranormal experience that you want me to read out on the show, simply send it in to contact at talkaboutghosts.com. Okay, That's contact at talkaboutghosts.com. Irrelevant of length, just send it on in. Now a person who's done such a thing is somebody whose name is Helen. And they wrote, "Hi Kevin, hi, hi Becca, ah, and plow to the TNC." Ow. She didn't know how to react to that because it wasn't a meow; it was a prowl. Anyway, my name is Helen, and you don't have to make me anonymous. Phew. I've attached a word document of one of the many things that have happened to me when I was a teen. It's quite long, unfortunately. Don't be don't say unfortunately. That's brilliant. But I hope it's okay. It will be. When I have time, I'll type up the weird stuff that happened to Mum in the old house we lived in until I was ten. Please, please do. Which was built over old coal mining pits. Christ. I might also add a few little things I've experienced over the years. I hope you do, Helen. She says, I hope you're all keeping well and that this... Sorry, and that you find this interesting. I'm sure I and our listeners will. Best wishes, Helen. And this then is Helen's email. When I was ten years old, my dad got a job as a school caretaker for the Catholic primary and junior school I attended. The job came with a bungalow, which was tied accommodation on site. So we had no choice but to move in. My parents gave up their three-bedroom council house and moved to this bungalow. The bungalow, at that time, was about ten years old but as the previous caretaker owned a house across the road from the school, he'd never lived in it. No one had ever lived in the bungalow, and the school and bungalow were built on wasteland that, as far as anyone knew, had never had any dwelling on it prior. It was a three-bedroom bungalow, completely detached, within the grounds of the school. It was set back from the main road, but the school driveway was to the front of the bungalow and the playground was to the rear. The nearest neighbour's house was several metres away. Being completely detached meant I could play my music very loudly, something I did at every available opportunity. The bungalow itself was very damp. It was flat-roofed, which constantly leaked. We had constant problems with insects, including devil's coach horses, which we had to look up in the library to identify. It was a terrible building. Several things happened there, but I'll just stick to the big ones for now. It started quite innocently with me losing my keys. I was about 13 or 14 and couldn't find the house keys I'd put down just seconds before. After turning the place upside down, I found them in the middle of my bed. I'd already searched there, and hadn't been in the room prior, so there was no reason for me to throw the keys on the bed. And yet, the next time I go into that room, there they are. I dismissed it as being a random oddness, and only connected it with the start of everything else later on. In the best tradition of 80s teens, I spent a lot of time making mixtapes. One night, my old tape player chewed up one of my favourite tapes. As it was quite late... I couldn't be bothered getting the screwdrivers out and thought I'd sort it out the next morning. Next morning, screwdriver in hand, I went to sort out the tape and found it was sat on top of the stereo, neat and pristine, nary a crease in it. I thanked my dad for fixing it, but he had no idea what I was talking about. So I thanked my elder brother. He was completely oblivious as well. Oh well, I thought, at least the tape's fixed. It was around this time and for a couple of years afterwards that I had terrible nightmares of fighting creatures that were trying to get into the bungalow. I remember one dream was of my opening the front door to fuss a stray black cat. And as I went to close the door to carry on with whatever, the cat grew into a six or more foot tall humanoid shape all completely black like a shadow, and it tried to force its way into the house. I was pushing up against the front door to close it. I woke up reciting the Lord's Prayer, sat up in bed, acting out, pushing against a door. I dreamt once that something was trying to get through the windows and through the roof, and I was trying to phone the priest, but the phone kept dialing the wrong numbers. It was an old-fashioned rotary phone. I woke up and remembered the correct number for the presbytery. Mum did say when I told her that she wouldn't have been surprised if I'd made the phone call in my sleep. Mum often got up in the night and would peep around my door to see if I was okay. She said she often found me sat up in bed, eyes wide open, fighting something off that she couldn't see. I'd yell out words that sounded like part of a prayer, And then lie back down asleep All this was done whilst fast asleep These nightmares developed a distinct pattern There would be a little girl Typical Victorian clothing White socks Ringlets with ribbons etc When she appeared The dream would turn into a nightmare But then a man would appear Who would always just stand behind my left shoulder I never saw him But I had the impression of a tall man in a long black coat with a black hat on. This was years before Neil Gaiman wrote Sandman. When the man appeared, the girl would immediately disappear, and he would change the dream into something pleasant. I have no idea who either of those people were. Sorry for rambling on, I promise I'm getting to the good stuff. Mum and Dad were both heavily involved in church projects, And were often out at evenings. My brother and sister are both a lot older than I, eight years and twelve years respectively, and were married in their own homes when I was about age twelve. One Tuesday night, I'm 53 now, but still remember it was a Tuesday, mum and dad had gone out. That meant one thing: stereo-on full blast, moved the coffee table and danced like a crazy thing in the lounge. "'until they came back. "'The lounge was a long, narrow room, "'twin aspect with one window "'that looked out onto the main road "'and another window that looked out onto the back garden. "'I'd like to say I was listening to Thin Lizzy "'or Rainbow or Saxon, "'but I was actually playing Elaine Page full blast, "'obviously going through my West End musical stage. "'Anyway, I was head down in the bathroom sink, "'washing my hair, singing along, and then I heard the distinct sound of footsteps outside. It was possible to walk around the entire exterior of the bungalow. It was paved all around. Occasionally, we would get trespassers who would just run off as soon as they were challenged. Immediately thinking someone was walking around outside, I wrapped up my hair, ran into the lounge, turned off the music, and went around the bungalow, looking out of every window. Nothing. I couldn't see anyone anywhere, but I could still hear the footsteps. And more disturbingly, they now sounded like the swish of shoes on carpet. I grabbed a huge pair of kitchen scissors, convinced someone had got inside, and went through every room of the house. I closed every window as I went, opened every cupboard and every wardrobe. I promise you I turned that place upside down and there was no one there. Feeling flummoxed, I stood in the middle of the lounge, wondering what I was hearing, and what the ever-living hell was going on. Mum and Dad had a walled unit, which held all kinds of glass, china, trinkets, etc. On either side of the unit were two plates hanging on the wall. Being plates, they were obviously quite securely fixed, but both plates simply fell to the floor. They didn't break, they just jumped off the hooks and fell down. I'm not going to lie, I was getting very freaked out at this point. I could now hear what sounded like the swishing noise of a taffeta moving around me, and feel movement in the air, as though someone had brushed past me. The walled unit had a glass case in the middle, housing a tea service and some tiny glasses, a few small trinkets. Behind the display of coffee pots, cups, and saucers with two small glasses on the top shelf was a small china plate with a bullfinch on it. The plate somehow got from behind all the cups and saucers and fell onto the shelf underneath. Well, it kind of slid because it went down into the bottom shelf, remaining upright, managing to miss all the glass and china on the lower shelf. Nothing was broken, chipped, cracked or otherwise. I immediately checked out of the window. I should have said it was a summer evening around seven-ish, so still very light outside and the curtains were open. And I checked for lorries passing by on the main road to see if they caused any vibration. But there was nothing but normal evening traffic. By now I was terrified. The telephone was in the hall... Which was directly opposite the all glass front door. The hall was in the middle of the bungalow. The long lounge led to the kitchen in a kind of L shape on one side of the hall, and the other led to the three bedrooms, a toilet, and a separate bathroom. Built in cupboards lined the hallway until you reached the bathroom. I checked all of those built in cupboards, by the way. I looked everywhere, every cupboard, and there were quite a few and every wardrobe and behind every door. Anyway, I was petrified. I rang a friend from school, which turned out to be a mistake, because she wasn't any help. I don't think she believed me, but I needed someone to talk to. By this point, the taffeta swishing around was constant, walking past me in the hallway, back and forth between the lounge and the bedrooms. I kept on the phone while I retrieved my shoes from the lounge which terrified me as I heard it come in. The phone cable only stretched so far, so I had to do some acrobatics to reach them. Once I had them, I took the phone to the front door, opened the door, ended the phone call and put the phone down then shut the door and ran to my grandparents down the road, still clutching the kitchen scissors in one hand. I got to my grandparents' flat and told them exactly what had happened and was given strong sweet tea with a dash of whiskey. I think they got in touch with my parents or my parents called them on their way home, I don't actually remember that part, and they came to pick me up. When we got back to the bungalow, everything was exactly as I'd left it. Plates on the floor or on the bottom shelf of the walled unit, cupboard doors and wardrobe doors open, telephone by the front door. My mum went round the place with holy water, and I slept with a rosary under my pillow for quite a while after that. Yes, my grandparents and my parents believed me. There was always a strong family belief in the supernatural. But that belief was that it was something best left well alone. Anyway, the next day was a school day. I would get home around 3.30pm, and my parents would both be at work until about 6 so I was always left to my own devices, which again would be music, full blast, reading or homework. I let myself in the back door, which led to the kitchen, went straight to the kitchen drawer, got the sharpest knife out and went into the lounge with the newspaper. I sat on the settee and started to read the paper, all the time gripping the knife, which was actually a small Sheffield silver fruit knife, with a wicked edge to it. While I was studiously reading the paper, I heard a rustling start up again, and the door from the hall to the lounge opened slowly. I still had my head down reading. I got the impression of a child peering round the doorway. Without raising my head from the paper, I said in a very firm voice, You can sod off. I live here. You don't. So piss off. The door then closed just as slowly, and the noise died down. After that initial frenzy, whenever anything started to kick off, I simply told it to piss off. I was done being scared. I was bloody furious. The nightmares continued for years later. Weird stuff still happened now and again, but nothing as bad as that night. I hope this all wasn't too long. You may also be interested to hear what my mum experienced in the bungalow just after we moved in. I didn't find out about this until I moved out when I was 22. All I remembered was mum and dad moved their room around every day for the first three days after we moved in, putting their bed on a different wall every day. It turned out that mum had kept waking up in the middle of the night to find an evil-looking old woman sat next to her on the bed, leaning over her, leering down at her. She would stare at it until it slowly faded away as dawn rose. They moved the bed until it stopped appearing. There was never any explanation for these occurrences. As I said, the bungalow had never been lived in before, and the land itself had never been lived on either. It had been a wasteland. Helen, wow, Helen, what an amazing tale. Honestly, please do send in what your mother experienced because from that little synopsis that you gave there, that sounds fucking terrifying. I demand two priests and I demand they be 20 years apart in age. Thank you very much. Bye. No, that is absolutely terrifying. The idea, I mean, also, you know, when you say no one lived in the bungalow, fair enough. No one lived on the land. We can never tell that, you know. That land's been there for millennia, literally. So who knows? Or maybe it was something that's in the house. Maybe it's a cursed object. We just don't know. But thank you so much, Helen. And please do continue to send in your mother's experiences. If you've got a tale that you want us to tell, send it in to contact at talkaboutghost.com and we will read it out, for that's how the show works. Now, are we all ready to go to the dark and dingy basement where Becca resides? I think we are. Ladies and gentlemen, now it is time for Paranormal Reddit Corner with Becca. Okay, so it's that time in proceedings where we head into the dark and dingy and beautiful and lovely and bright corner, which is owned by none other than Becca. Hello, Becca.
1: Welcome.
0: Oh, sultry. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm okay. How
0: are you? I'm okay. We're both exceptionally busy, aren't we? Yeah. And it's... uh.
1: Stuff going on.
0: Stuff going on, both against a time limit today, mm. and uh, the neighbour's cat decided that she wanted to take up 15 minutes of that time by meowing to go out.
1: <laughs> she did want to go, because we're both so soft, it was like, oh, she's meowed, what did she want, what did she want, quick, take her out if that's what she wants.
0: Yeah, so we're now 15 minutes behind schedule, thanks to a cat mm-hmm. who wanted to literally just lay in the back <laughs> and nibble on some grass. <laughs> Um, it turns out. I mean, I don't know what I expected it to do. Go outside and build a doll's house or something.
1: Don't forget, you're her whole world.
0: Well, exactly. Exactly. And you're half her world. <laughs> I'm joking. the yeah, better half. The better half. Well, you are my better half. And speaking of better halves, we have of course, here to talk about the paranormal. And namely, the things which are happening in the corner of the internet, known as Reddit. And the things within Reddit... Which are, this is too long an intro. It's far
1: too long an intro.
0: Which are spooky. And anyway, this is one that's only 10 hours old. And it's called.
1: do I, I do the title.
0: Okay. And it's called. Do the title then.
1: <laughs> no, I've got a whole thing.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. Honestly, do the so.
1: Gracious. Is this your first time, Reddit Corner? Who don't yes. know how this works? Thank you. Uh, welcome. To Reddit <laughs> Corner. It's <laughs> your you first better. time. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Reddit Corner with Becca. Thank you. The title of this story is The Living Painting.
0: Ooh, as opposed Ooh. to the dead paintings we often see. Anyway. You need to change your tudes today. I, you do, know. I do, I do. I've started off on the wrong foot. Yeah. I apologise. Let's begin. Let's begin.
1: Growing up, we had a pastoral painting displayed in the living room in which a shepherd was shown leading his flock through a pasture land. It was a rather generic artwork, but my father liked it as it had been a birthday gift from his ex-wife. My mother called it crappy art, but tolerated it because its green-slash-gold tones complemented the paint and decor she'd chosen for the room. There's a lot lot to unpack there, really. (laughs) Paragraph one, Straight off the bat, there we go. Jesus, what? (laughs) Tell us your family history without telling us about your family history. yeah. yeah, yeah. There were three notable things about this painting that I began to notice early in childhood. One, the shepherd was badly drawn, mostly just a caped figure with no real features. Two, he was leading his sheep in a circle rather than through or away from the pasture. In brackets, why would he do that? And three, if you happen to glance at the painting at just the right or wrong moment, you sometimes got the impression that the shepherd was slowly turning toward you as the sheep milled around him. That's fucking terrifying, to be fair. I mentioned this to my mother, who reassured me it was simply an effect built into the painting with brush strokes that simulated movement. Fuck off! But I wasn't so sure. Yes, I
0: wasn't so sure that this unknown wizard of paint existed.
1: No, that's a thing where it can—it's like um, people say like the eyes are following you around the room, or you can the artist can, can like, yeah. But they said it was a
0: badly drawn.
1: Yeah, from a child. Does the what? child know about it?
0: Oh, do you mean the child saying it's badly drawn? Yeah. Right, okay. So
1: what does the child know about it? I mean, if I I, I, I was literally thinking when it was saying you got the impression that the shepherd was slowly turned around, I was thinking, well, it's not badly drawn then, is it? The artist's done a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You change your mind now, yeah?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> back on board
1: now. <laughs> All right, thanks. Um, but I wasn't so sure, especially when that shepherd slowly and almost sinisterly turned his featureless face toward mine. Mmm. There really isn't a denouement to this tale. Oh wait. A witch? <laughs> Denouement? What?
0: What is that? What does that word mean?
1: I don't
0: know. You're the one with the fucking degree in English.
1: Well, i i mean, in context, you think it means like end, conclusion, peak? I don't
0: know. Right. Okay. Google
1: it while well, I'm—I'm busy.
0: I can't because you're—you're you're literally on my phone well, reading I'm, the story.
1: Well, shall I continue then? Yes. That's <laughs> right. There really isn't a denouement to this tale. Except that after my father died, my mother shoved the painting to the back of one of our capacious closets, seeing <laughs> she never really liked it, or what it represented, my father's prior relationship. But later in life, she admitted that the painting gave her the creeps too, especially when the shepherd would seemingly turn the painted patch of his face in her direction, ever so slowly. Mm. Mm.
0: I do like I like the idea of haunted paintings and such, and it does sound like a very sinister sort of painting with, um, you know, the the sheep being guided in a circle mm. for no particular reason, unless there is a reason. You know, whether you know maybe shepherds do put them in a circle before they then send them off in a line.
1: I mean, I can only imagine that it's not that easy to get them in a straight line. Maybe they were just like running around the shop, and he's trying to like just guide them in in well, whichever way he can.
0: What, what, doesn't a sh- every shepherd have a sheep dog? That does all that come by sort of stuff.
1: I don't think every shepherd has a sheepdog.
0: Not every shepherd has a sheepdog. But every sheepdog, every sheepdog has, a dog has a shepherd. <laughs> yeah, but some, No,
1: because some sheepdogs have farms. Well, anyway. Hmm. Is there any comments on this there story? Um, someone said, ooh, that is really creepy. Um, and someone else has said, it almost feels like fiction. Almost. Except a former friend of mine also had a living painting problem when he was a kid. The fig, figure's expressions would seem to shift or change sometimes. And his dad swears one night he stumbled and his hand entered the painting for a moment.
0: I think his dad, if he stumbled... You know, <laughs>
1: what, what caused the stumble? What caused
0: the stumble, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and his dad, who used to like the odd mushroom more three, ended up in the living painting.
1: Yeah, I like the way it's described as a living painting problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and also, like... Hey, have you got one of those living paintings? Bloody nuisance on the
0: Yeah, but I also... I, what I don't like about that person's comment is that it, said, it almost sounds like fiction. Almost. You find this quite often with... Um, even amongst paranormal believers. And it really annoys me. It, we, we've had it a couple of times with the dark paranormal. Genuinely, where someone submitted their story or their experience. And somebody's commented and said, this sounds completely bogus. And you know when you're like, you're like I've had back and forth with the individual and they've been like quite, there was one, one that stands out and they were like quite particular about actually I've, I've named the streets, can you remove that? They were, it was quite a back and forth, you know, mm. about like... Um,
1: oh, with the, the submitter of the story. With the submitter
0: mean? of the story about what went on and yeah. like, like the turmoil that it caused. Mm. And the, one of the first comments was somebody going, sounds completely black. And it's like, you know, you are dealing with you. you you're, that person who's commented, it sounds completely black. And even that person there who's commented, it sounds made up. You've entered. You've chosen to enter a discussion about the paranormal, about something who, whose existence I don't is think that
1: are all made up.
0: Get out. <laughs> no, about you. You about you're entering a conversation about something which is already on the fringes of belief.
1: But this, in fact, this person saying it sounds, it almost feels like fiction, almost, as in they're like...
0: Yeah, but only almost because they too have a, an, an example of it. So why mm. start up with the sounds like fiction? Why not start up with a friend of mine experiencing something similar?
1: It don't fit To me, it does feel a bit like a, a creative writing experiment. Not that the story, they haven't got inspiration from a real story, but like the unnecessary use of the word capacious closets. Like, on this kind of thing, I don't know, I'm getting the impression that it's like a a teenager experiment. I see what
0: you mean, but I think, for me, what gives it a validity is that first paragraph that we both agreed there's a lot to unpack. Mm. That, like, you know, there's too much detail there if you are. Reread that first paragraph again, please.
1: Growing up, we had a pastoral painting displayed in the living room in which a shepherd was shown leading his flock through a pasture land. It was a rather generic artwork, but my father liked it as it had been a birthday gift from his ex-wife. My mother called it crappy art, but tolerated it because its green and gold tones complemented the paint and decor she'd chosen for the room. Now,
0: for me, if you're going to make up a ghost story, your first paragraph is not that. Your first paragraph does not include that much information mm. about your family history. Mm. And the fact, you, I like we literally both stopped and said there's so much to unpack in that first paragraph. Yeah you know? And I think there's. It, it's become quite easy, I think, from my perspective, to spot a black tale compared to a genuine experience.
1: Even if you do say so No, no,
0: itself. I genuinely think that, like, you know, fucking seven years of receiving listeners' stories has given me a certain fine-tunement, if you like, to what's black and what's not. Like, genuinely, a black story would have been the length of that. Just on the. The the house itself was, you know, it was it had a haunting quality. And sometimes, maybe I heard a sound, maybe I didn't. Maybe my bum was tanned. I don't know why what I said that. On it's earth? been sunny, I don't know. But you know what I mean? It doesn't just go, my ex- ex-wife gave him a patent, which my mum hated because it was from his ex-wife, and it was kind of shitty, she called it. You don't just say that, you know.
1: Mm.
0: You You had some sort of flow to it or you feel like you had a flow to it
1: also my father liked it as it had been a birthday gift from his ex-wife now that's the the as there is the problem if it was just it happened to have been a birthday gift but he really liked it and that's why it stayed up then that's reasonable whereas if he's not that bothered about the fact itself but it represents a gift from his ex-wife then that's a bit of a problem for his new wife
0: imagine if in this house that like we've got now if I went no, put my favourite painting up. Why is it your favourite painting? Because my ex-girlfriend got me it. Yeah. That's why, I, not what it is. It's not bothered
1: about the subject matter, but you know, she, <laughs> yeah. it was from her. But
0: I love her. <laughs> put her up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Look at> now <her. laughs> My house too. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So there
0: you go. So what maketh thee of that? Um... You did say it was like a, you felt like it was a, what did you call it?
1: Creative writing,
0: creative writing exercise.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it's definitely written by a teen. I would suggest.
0: Yeah, who's trying to appear a little bit more, maybe?
1: I don't know. I mean, the thing about that—it surprised me that you said that about the movement of the art because that is like, you know, well known in the art circles. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> no, like the idea that an artist can give the impression of movements and like the things. yeah
0: the kitten's doing her usual because she knows we're recording the idea yeah but i get the idea that art can be done in a way that gives the impression of movement Mm. but for this clearly amateur painting to to give off such vibes seems a bit unrealistic Mm. unless that's like unless i can i don't know the art world unless that's one of the very first things you learn when learning how to paint is the style of painting in to make it look like it's moving.
1: I don't think it's one of the first things you learn, but it's definitely a thing that you learn. Because also interesting. So right. So they've said the shepherd was badly drawn, right? And but that's the badly child. drawn boy. Yeah, that's yeah. A badly drawn shepherd. Yeah. But that's the child's opinion, so you kind of yeah. can't really, you know, take that. Um, and it's also but subjective. But yeah. But yeah. But they've said mostly just a caped figure with no real features. But maybe that is how it gives the impression of movement there, and that later like oh he's turning to face me. How was he turning to face you with no features? You know maybe that's the whole thing like did you did you then see some features it's the fact that it's kind of so vague leaves it so open yeah. to your interpretation, and then at one point it looks to you like he's facing away, and at another point it looks to you like he's facing at you because yeah. because of the lack of clarity with the features
0: yeah interestingly your um there's a it was only through conversation that this came about. But um, your stepfather knows, obviously, that I'm into ghosts and the paranormal and the occult and stuff, doesn't he? Mm. all that carry on. And speaking of paintings and the like, um, he actually uh, owns a very occultish painting, it mm. turns out. Yeah, there's a very famous. Because he's a, he's really into birds, isn't he? Mm. Like he's like a proper bird maniac. Like, yeah, that's wrong. But anyway, there's a painting where. Um, the guy who was painting it, I can't remember his name, he was painting the eye of this particular bird. Right. And as he was painting it, he had a vision of his son dying and appearing to him, like, mm. as a ghost, like, saying, I'm dead, mm. As he, just as he was drawing the eye of this bird. Um, and it's a well-known story. Mm. And then he found, like there was a knock on his door as he's painting this eye, and somebody comes in and says, your son's been killed in war yeah. at, at a battle. Yeah. But it's it's to do with this eye, and this eye of this bird's meant to hold, you know, some sort of oracularistic powers.
1: Wow, well that was a, a leap, wasn't it? So you were going to say, like, sorrow or something? Well, or... yeah,
0: but this is the thing, like an... Um...
1: oracle powers?
0: Yeah. So immediately when he told me that, I was like, bring it to me here, and I am staring at its eye, trying no, I to see No, I think he's just
1: told you about the painting, he doesn't have the painting. I
0: think he's got, well, he's got a copy of it.
1: Yeah, he might have a print of it, yeah. he might
0: have a print of it, but yeah. yeah. If you can now hear a dinging sound, that's because the cat's decided to Will
1: you leave her alone? She... She's just going about a little day, isn't she? It's not I thought you're busy.
0: That's very true.
1: He's like, oh no, you've got me there.
0: You have got me there. Got me bent over a fence <laughs> with a cane in your hand, spanking my rear end. Telling my arse, we're back to that. Why are
1: we back to that? I don't know. Don't know. So I weird. must have had a
0: dream about getting caned or something.
1: Or or um sunbathing. With your bum out?
0: No, because I'm, but when I said tanned arse before, I meant smacked arse. I didn't mean tanned. It? Yeah.
1: I didn't occur to me that you meant...
0: But That's a saying, that's by it. the way. It's, it might be a northern saying, but I'll tan your little arse for you means... Not in this
1: I'll, house, it no, it?
0: no, No, but like my parents would say to me, I'll tan your backside in a minute. And that would mean you'll end up with a red backside.
1: I, that, this must be an age thing, because I would never associate tan generally with... Getting a smack? Yeah, it would be. You're sitting in the sun. I'd be like, Ooh, lovely! No, no, no. <laughs> Sounds no.
0: nice. No. I'll tan your little arse for you. Was an was an oft said thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: but it was with you.
0: It was, yeah, and I'd be running away.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a little imp.
1: Say, so maybe that's why you don't like the sun because you used to make you sit in the sun with your bum. Maybe yeah. When people say, "Go on, you'll get
0: a nice tan," my brain goes, "Tan, no. tan equates to smack." No, no,
1: I don't want a tan. I don't want
0: a smack on my bum. Hmm okay well anyway thank you as ever Becca for letting us into your corner you're welcome and um, we'll speak to you next week
1: okay speak to you next week tatty bye bye guys thank you for visiting Reddit Corner with Becca goodbye bye bye